Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I'm so glad that you could be with us. Why don't you take a seat? They're just sitting down. Why don't you turn and say hello to someone? Give them a little wave online if you're joining us. We're so glad that you could stream in. It's great to have you with us as well. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Jono, and it's a, a pleasure to be with you here uh, today. You may have seen uh, online or, or in the, the message out that today is our, our anointing service, uh, and so that's why you might have been like, man, worship felt a little bit short today. I feel like usually it goes a little bit longer than that. We're just saving it up for, uh, for at the end, uh, and so we've got some cool things to do. Uh, can someone grab the leg? Thank you so much, Sean. You were just waiting, eh? You were ready. You were like, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't ruining a moment. Look at that, drums. Timing is everything, hey, let's see that, that's what, yeah, Mm, it's good. Uh, So we've been in a series for, uh, this is our third week now, called Commissioned, and and I hope that you've got uh, an e-group booklet, I hope that you are in e-group, maybe if you didn't get a booklet, I know that they went fast, hopefully you've been following along uh, online at equipuschurch.com slash e-groups, the the whole booklet is available there electronically as well, but but we've been in this series of Commission, really looking at the, the fact that, and it's a a banner kind of theme for us this year, that we are a people who exist not just for us, that, that we believe that our faith is something that, that it's too good to keep to ourselves, that it's actually something that we get to be involved in, in letting others know that they're loved, and letting others know that there is a, a, a plan and a purpose for their life, that letting others know that, 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 they are, that there is a hope. Right, that, that as a people of faith, we don't exist just within these four walls for our own benefit, but, but that as we follow Jesus, we naturally follow him in to what he was about. And Jesus was about bringing hope and peace, love and joy to the, the world. And so we've been looking at this idea through the, the passage found in Matthew 28, in which Jesus gives his mission to his followers. Right? He says, hey, this is what I've been about. This is what I've been doing. This is what you've been watching me do. This is what you've been participating in. And, and now I send you out to a mission. And the church is formed in response to that mission. Right? That we say that it's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. That we are a people of mission. That we are a people who are sent out to, to go and to make disciples. And, and Dave spoke so well to that last week. Right? That, that make disciples is really that hinge point. And that disciple just means someone following after Jesus. That it doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? Because none of us have got that going for us. But that it means that we follow Jesus where we're at and, and how we are. And that we follow Jesus together. That no matter how long you've been following or how far along you might feel on that journey, that, that we all can help each other in, in discipleship. That we all can help each other in following after Jesus. That, that we as a people, whoever we are, are called to go and to make disciples. And so we talked, first of all, about going, right? About there are ways to go. There are methods. We won't revisit the methods, uh, but there are methods. Uh, And then we talked about the fact that we make disciples. And so today in this kind of third week in the series, I want to look at this idea of of baptizing. For context, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's read one more time, Matthew 28, and then we'll jump straight into it. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 to 20, it might be getting a little bit familiar by now. It says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why don't you bow your heads with me and, uh, and let's pray. God, we thank you for these moments together. As we come together as your people, as we choose to place ourselves in, in your presence and in and, and each other's company, God, we thank you that, that something uh, beyond words happens. And God, I pray today as we, as we look at your word, as we look at this, this concept, but more than just a concept, this experienced reality of baptism, that it wouldn't be my words today, it wouldn't be my ideas. God, where it is of me, I pray it would fall to the ground, but where it is of you, God, would it, would it land in our hearts? Would it land in our minds? Would we be transformed by the renewing of who we are in and through your Holy Spirit? God, we want to meet with you today. Let this not just be good ideas. Let this not just be pleasant words, but would your transformative presence be with us? God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so if we're talking about baptism, we, we kind of need to, we need to take a large view, right? Because where we're going to end up today, we, we get there by kind of a established building on, on top of some concepts that start in the Old Testament that lead us to the New Testament. So I want to give you a quick kind of historical uh, overview of, of what baptism is. Is that all right? That's good. I'm not going to speak long today because uh, we, we want to get into it, but a quick kind of theological tour. And my prayer really today is that this would bring clarity and from that clarity would rise uh, an, an invitation. So to, to understand baptism, we, really, we need to start with the Old Testament. And we need to start with, with Old Testament cleansing. Right? You're like, wow, this sounds boring. Just, just go with me for it, right? It'll build on it. Old Testament cleansing, uh, ablution or uh, ceremonial cleansing by water and or blood was an important part of the Levitical system of, of the law, right? We see all throughout the, the Old Testament that a part of the ceremony to become a priest involved ritual cleansing, that priests would wash their hands and feet before sacrifices, that there were more kind of elaborate, more involved washing rituals for special moments like in the Day of Atonement, and that there were cleanliness laws for, for daily life for the Jewish people. And, and all of this kind of structure, all of these things that they're doing are to remind the, the people of Israel that God was near, that God was close, that God wasn't distant, that God drew close to them. But also to the remind them that, that He was holy, right? That He didn't come close because we enticed Him or because we, we tricked Him, because we manipulated Him, because we got enough kind of sacrifices on the altar and got Him to come, but, but that He came because of His love, that God is a holy God, that God is a good God, and that God chooses to come to us, right? That's Old Testament as succinctly summarized as I possibly can. And, and then from this place in the New Testament, a new form of baptism emerges, that of John the Baptist, Right? In the Old Testament, washing was to prepare for, for important moments. And, and so John comes and he says, God's about to do something new. God's about to do something new in us. One who is coming who will bring the kingdom of God. So we need to prepare ourselves. Right? John the Baptist essentially says, be baptized so that the kingdom might come. Right? Get washed, get clean, something is about to happen. He, he says it himself, Matthew 3, uh, 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worth, worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Which is why, understandably, John's pretty confused when Jesus, the person he's been talking about, who he recognizes as the Messiah, the one that he is preparing the way for, comes to him and says, hey, I want to be baptized. 
Because John was baptizing people to prepare for the coming of the kingdom, to get them ready, to get them repentant, to get them ritually clean. But Jesus doesn't need to repent. Jesus is the only one walking the earth who does not need to be baptized. And yet he comes to John the Baptist and says, I want to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Stay with me. Stay with me. So what's with Jesus' baptism? Because that's what lets us know about well, why we go through baptism. Well, what's happening here, right? Jesus isn't being baptized so that the kingdom may come. Jesus is being baptized to begin a new baptism because the kingdom has come. See, so, so Old Testament, it was ritual cleansing to allow people to realize that they could draw close to God to let a guilty people, not that the sacrifices made them, it didn't atone for anything, right? Before the uh, beginning of time, God knew what he was doing. We've always been able to be seen through the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament people just didn't realize it at that time. But they were trying to draw close to God in the way that they could. And, and so we have that, then John the Baptist comes and says, hey, something new is gonna happen. We need to be baptized to prepare for that. Jesus comes and says, hey, the new thing has arrived. See, I'm saying all that to make this distinction that Jesus baptizes us into a, a new kingdom. Baptism is a response to the gospel, not a prerequisite. Right? We don't want to end up as a people of faith in this kind of club where you have to do a certain a bunch of things to, to have God accept you, to have God love you. We want to be very clear that we start from a place of acceptance that we start from a place of love. That doesn't mean that what we do doesn't matter. What we do does matter because it has ramifications for us and God loves us, but God loves us before we do anything. We could say it this way to kind of compare and contrast. For John the Baptist, it was be baptized so the kingdom may come, right? Preparation. But for Jesus, it was the kingdom has come, so be baptized, See, see, for Jesus and, and as a church, we want to invite you, if you haven't been baptized, take that step. Take the step of water baptism, but realize that we don't earn our way to baptism. We want to understand the decision that we're making. We want it to be an intentional thing that we do. That's why we believe in water baptism as adults or, or when you can make that decision for yourselves as opposed to like a christening or a, a sprinkling or that kind of thing of a pre-decision for a baby. And that's just the way that we do it in this house, right? And I'm not saying like if you're christened or whatever that hey, it doesn't count or if you want to make that decision again, you totally can, but, but we don't want to kind of get into a, a semantics of the law of it, right? It's, it's a grace that we're in. But we believe that water baptism is a public declaration of a relationship with Jesus. That it is an outward declaration of an inward decision. And it's a symbolic act identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Are you following me? It's good. I know, sorry, usually I warm you up with some jokes and stuff and, and we have a bit of fun. But we're just, we're going straight for the jugular uh, this morning. And I say all that because I want to remind us of this essential aspect of our faith, that Jesus comes to us. Right? Last week, Dave said that, that disciples follow their rabbis, right? Does people remember that? If you didn't, go back and have a look on YouTube. It was a great sermon. That disciples follow their rabbis. And, and being a disciple was a big deal. Right? Rabbis were like the, the superstars of Jewish society, just like pastors are today. That wasn't, I don't know why you're laughing. That wasn't a joke. I don't, I'm very offended. That's uh, deeply hurt. I thought, this is not, okay, anyway. Uh, so rabbis were the superstars of Jewish society. Every mother dreamed of their son becoming a rabbi, right? It was the thing, it was the most honored position in society. It was what you, you hoped, but it was hard to do. 
Every, every Jewish child would go to the equivalent of primary school. It was called Beit Sefer. I mean, house of the book. And there you'd learn basic geography and history, math and literacy. And it was all taught using the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The aim being that by the age of 12, you'd know Genesis to Deuteronomy by heart, which is impressive, right? I'm an ordained pastor. Cannot say that I know Genesis to Deuteronomy by heart, but I do have an electronic device that allows me to look it up. Uh, so, you know, different graces for different times. So then most students would, uh, would, would leave Beit Sefer. They would, they would then go and join the family business, and they'd live the rest of their life. They'd have their own family. That was the kind of conclusion of their education. But the best of the best were invited to a second level of education called Beit Talmud, which meant the house of learning. And this was a school built on the side of the synagogue, on the side of the temple, where, where the students would learn the rest of the Old Testament, or Tanakh, right? Which again, is very impressive to learn the rest of that. And again, here, almost everyone was done. You would go and it would just be kind of a, a bit of a, a, a thing that you could be proud of for your family and, and something that you wanted to do that, that, hey, you got to go to Beit Tilmund and then you go and you join your family business. But, but for the best of the best of the best, a, a rabbi would come to you and ask you to, to sit and interview with them. And, and they would talk to you and they'd kind of ask you about your understanding of Scripture and Midrash, which is other rabbis' interpretations of Scripture. And, and if after all of this, after Beit Sefer and then Beit Talmud and then this, this interview, they thought that you had the drive and the intelligence and the talent to one day become a rabbi in your own right, they would invite you to follow them and be their disciple. Right? That is the process to become a disciple. So not just anyone gets to become a disciple. Not just anyone is, is stepping into this role, into this call, but Jesus doesn't go to Beit Tilmund and say, hey, who are your, your smartest people? Who are the best students here? I want to interview them. He, he doesn't do that. He invites people from all walks of life. He puts out ridiculous statements like, whoever wants to follow me, all are welcome. Not only that, but he goes and the people that he asks are the people who didn't make it through to that high level of education. He goes and asks fishermen, why are they fishing? Because they didn't graduate top of their class. That's where they are. But then he goes even further. He goes and invites tax collectors. Tax collectors are Jewish traders. They're, if a rabbi was the most honorable position in society, then, then a tax collector was the least honorable. But, but with the tax collectors, he invites zealots and, and all sorts of different people within Jewish society who have vastly different political views, people who would never get along, who hate each other. And to all of them, he says, hey, Come and follow me. Because Jesus comes to us. We don't go through Beit Sefer, Beit Tilmund in an excruciating interview to impress Jesus. Jesus sees us in our fallen, shameful, sinful state. I don't say that to guilt us, but to make us realize the abounding love that Jesus has for us. And says, hey, come and follow me. As you are, you are welcome. And it's from that position of being welcomed, of being asked to follow we step into baptism. We say, Jesus, you asked me to follow you, and so I choose to identify with you. I choose to make a public declaration of the inward decision. God, I've made you my God and my Lord, but now I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a part of this. I die to my old self, and I am a new person in you. See, so John the Baptist says, God is doing something new, so get ready. Jesus says, God is here. Come and join. We don't earn being a disciple. We are welcomed before we're clean. 
And, and, and I want to make that distinction because I've talked to too many people who put off baptism till a one-day perfect state. I just need to get some of these things sorted in my life. And, and once I've earned this, once I've gotten this, once I've stopped doing this, then I'll be able to be baptized then. Once I'm good enough, I want to say that that's not the gospel. That we are not good enough to be baptized. We are baptized in our iniquity because of what Jesus has done. Right? And, and baptism isn't like, I'm not saying we're not going to have a bat. Like, I'm not wanting to force anyone into it. There's not a, a, an opportunity today. But I am wanting to say if you haven't yet been baptized and you would like to go through that, then that is something we would love to support you in as a church. And so if for you, you're like, yeah, no, this is me. Your heart's beating in your chest. Maybe even online, you're watching this thing. Hey, this is my decision. I want to say that there's a couple of things. You can talk to your e-group leader. Let them know. They'll pass it on. You can, you can come to the help desk after church, any service, not just today, and say, hey, this is something I'm interested in. In the Church Center app, if you've got the app, under registrations, there is an event simply to express your interest in being baptized. Fill that out. We'll know. We'll get in touch with you. Or just talk to someone you've seen on the stage, right? If all of those things, forget all of that, just come and talk to someone. Talk to anyone. We're a church family. Even if they weren't on the stage, they'll be able to refer you to someone who is. I'm like, I've got no idea, but that's awesome. Let's go talk to this person, right? Because we want to support you in this journey. We believe it's an important step in your journey of following Jesus, and we would love to support you in that. And so I'm, I'm almost done. I said I'd be fast. In fact, maybe if I even get the band up. Where does that land us today, right? I wanted to talk about water baptism because I think it's from water baptism that we can talk about baptism in the Spirit. See, here we are today. We are sent out. The Great Commission is not just something said to the disciples in a moment in time. It's said to all of us, anyone who chooses to follow Jesus, who makes Him their Lord and their God. We are sent out to go and change the world. We are sent out to be a missional people, to let people know that they are loved, to let people know that there is a hope, that there is a truth, that, that God is for them and not against them. We're sent out to bear witness, to, to make disciples, to bring others into their identity in Christ. And to do that, I believe that we need to be baptized. And see, there I'm not talking about water baptism, although I think that's important. I, I think we, we need to understand that we're accepted and loved before we're baptized. But, but when we're baptized, not just with water, but when we're baptized in the Spirit, we're empowered. I'd put it this way. I believe that we cannot do what we are called to do or be who we are called to be without the enabling presence of the Holy Spirit. See, that the Spirit of God, uh, what's known in church history as the Holy Spirit, empowers us and it empowers us just like it did Jesus. You might hear that and think, well, what do you mean? Like I thought Jesus was God and so like does Jesus need empowering? And I want to say there's some kind of gnarliness there of the Trinity and, and there's more to get into then. But to, to scratch the surface, Philippians 2 verse 6 tells us that Jesus in His earthly ministry chose to function as one of us. It says in Philippians, He chose to take on the form of a slave, to, to become human flesh, to, to surrender His divinity to choose not to function as he could, but to, to humble himself, to become like one of us. He was still fully God, but he functioned as fully man. And so everything that he did, he did in a way to show us who we could be in step with the Spirit. Everything that he did, he did by the power of the Spirit. We see this before his baptism where, where all three synoptic gospels say that the Spirit descended upon him. Before this moment, Jesus didn't utter a single word of teaching or work a single miracle. And then after his baptism, when the Spirit descended upon him, Jesus goes around with the power of God just, just flowing out of him. 
miracles happen, teaching is bought. The, the gospel writers go to great lengths to show us that it is the Spirit that is empowering everything that Jesus is doing. Let me show you really quick a, a tour through Luke. Luke 3, 21 to 22, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Spirit descended upon him. A few verses later, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Three verses after that, Jesus, speaking of Himself now, says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and then He goes into essentially what is His mission statement. This is what I am here to do. This is the, the transformation that I am here to bring by the power of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the power source behind everything that Jesus did and taught. And, and that matters a whole lot because near the end of His life, Jesus starts talking about leaving and sending. Jesus says in John 16, 7, I'm going, but it's good for you if I go, because unless I go, I cannot send you my spirit. And then after his death and resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and he breathes on them and he says, receive my Holy Spirit. And, and the remainder of the, the New Testament is essentially ordinary people doing the same stuff that Jesus did. It's the apostles, ordinary people, not just ordinary people, not, not, even, the, not even the Beit Sefer, Beit Talmud graduates. It's the fishermen, the people who should not have been disciples, the people who are not being called to be rabbis. It's the, the bottom of the barrel sorts of people just like you and me who are empowered by the, the power of the Spirit, speaking words of knowledge casting out demons, praying open prison cells. It's, it's the written instruction to the church for the responsible, ordered use of the supernatural when you gather together like this. There is a basic assumption, hey, when you gather, when you move, when you live life in step with the Spirit, filled with God's Spirit, you're going to see amazing things happen. Sometimes they will be spectacular, and sometimes they will be small, but some of the most amazing things I've seen happen in my life haven't just been spectacular. They've been the small ways that God moves. The things that to everyone else just look unremarkable, but to the people involved are deeply significant. Paul's writings are, hey, how do we live a life? How do we be a people in step with the Holy Spirit? See, Jesus was never not God but he did lower himself to the form of a man and showed us how we can work in step with God through the power of his spirit. Because we cannot do what we are called to do or be who we are called to be without the enabling presence of the spirit. Which is why Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 28, go and baptize. I believe both in water as an outward declaration of an inward decision, but also in the spirit. And so today we're gonna to finish with an opportunity for all of us to receive. In a moment, we'll have a team come down the front with, with oil. And, and if you'd like to, there is an open invitation for everyone to come down to the front and be anointed. And I wanna say, just like with water baptism, this is not something you earn. This is not something you convince God to do. And so if you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't know if I'm, I'm good enough to, to receive baptism with oil, to, to be prayed for that the Holy Spirit would fill me afresh. I wanna say that's not how it works. It's not based on our goodness. If there are things that you need to get right with God, I encourage you to do that. But you don't need to wait. In fact, maybe the very thing that you need to help you to do those things that you want to do is a fresh filling of the Spirit. To go, God, I need your help to follow you. 
I need your spirit in me, uh, anointing me. I need your spirit in me and empowering me. And so quite simply, we're gonna pray that you would be filled afresh with God's power, His spirit, His love, His authority in a new and a fresh way. And I believe this is something that we all need. The team who are praying for you before the service, we anointed them, we prayed for them. I was anointed and prayed for before the service because none of us graduate from walking in step with the Spirit. None of us earn it, it's a gift. I know that there are massive guys in the room and I wanna say to you, you're more than welcome to come, right? This is not a, an age thing. This is not a you get to the place of earning it. We are all welcome. And so as the team leads us in worship, I would ask, I know, you know, some of the things that we do that are most impactful are also the most awkward. I'm just gonna have to push through that, right? Realize, yeah, I'm gonna walk down and it's gonna be someone who walks down first. Might as well be me, right? That we would walk and we say, God, I need to receive from you afresh. I wanna be anointed afresh. God, I wanna be baptized anew in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I'd invite you to come, come down the front, be prayed for. If you're here today and, and, and you don't wanna be prayed for, that's all right, there's no pressure. I would ask you, if you feel awkward and you've got kids in kids' church, don't use this as an opportunity to go and get them because we're praying for them too, right? So maybe you feel awkward, but I'm sure they'll enjoy it. But as we worship together, I really just feel that for us as a church, we need more than who we are to do what God has called us to do. The testimonies that I believe we're gonna share in, in days, weeks, months to come, and not, hey, I really kept it together and behaved well and I was compelling in, in what I did and how I operated, but, but uh, God is good. And God moved where I lacked because I created space for Him. Because in my weakness, He is strong. Church, when you stand to your feet. Like I said, in a moment, the band's gonna lead us in a song. Just before they do, when you bow your heads, when you close your eyes, the team's gonna come down the front and get ready love to pray for us and then we'd love to anoint you with oil. God, we thank you that you're here. God, we thank you for, for the, the ancient rhythms that we step into today. That from the very beginning of your church, from the first people to be commissioned and to grip up the mission that you have for us, we have been a people who receive your spirit. God, that this is not just a set of beliefs and ideas, not just a, a way of living that is helpful, but it is a relationship with you. God, and we believe we cannot follow you without you. God, in a topsy-turvy sort of way, you are all we need. And so today we receive you afresh. God, where there is shame or guilt in the room that says you can't, we just speak to that and we say it is not true and we speak the truth of God in its place that you are loved, that you are favored, that you are loved before you behave, that you are loved before you, you we do not convince God, but that you would come to us that you would ask us to follow you, but that you don't ask us to do it on our own, that you empower us to do what you have called us to do. God, we even just speak to the, the testimonies that are lying in wait from this moment, that as we receive your spirit afresh and walk out of here freshly enabled and empowered by who you are, that we would be a people who bring change to our world, that we would bring a, be a people who bring transformation to, to places that need it, that bring love into environments of fear that bring hope into environments of, of doubt, that bring peace into environments of anxiety. God, not just through us, but in your power and in your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com 
forward slash Christchurch.